Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 78 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen. Locked and loaded for another episode, another great Persuasion IQ question. A horrible, horrible Persuasion blunder where the prospects of the Persuader actually retaliated. And then <laughs> a geeky article moment. Uh, Kurt is going to take back the reins on that today, which he's just ecstatic. He's been laughing and snorting like Urkel for days now. Yeah. How's it going, Kurt? Hey, I'm feeling good on my exercise today. I was just thinking episode 78. Man, we're cruising. We're getting close to 100. We need to do something special for that. I mean, what do you do? I mean, do we sit here and eat ribs while we record? Hey, I like that. We'll have a rib fest while we insult people and teach something good about persuasion. Isn't that what the podcast is all about? As we continue to just diminish our listenership to zero. I mean, (laughs) I think that's a great step. (laughs) what they're looking for yes. we'll cook the ribs and then eat the food and have a good old time that's right that's right have a good old time and you know i would usually if we're gonna insult i'm actually not gonna insult i was in seattle over the weekend and it was gorgeous you know seattle is so funny you can go there and it's just drizzly and rainy and you can't see more than 10 feet into the sky but it was beautiful and sunny in February. And we, I was taken off and the flight attendant uh, while we're rumbling down the runway at SeaTac says, hey, everybody, hurry up and look out the window. It's sunny. You can see Seattle. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just, yeah. it's breathtaking. It's a beautiful place. Oh, I agree 100%. My wife's from Seattle area, actually, and I've told her and she agrees that there's nothing more gorgeous than the Seattle, even Portland area, when the sun's out. It's just getting the sun to come out, and you have to get used to a lot of rain. A lot of rain, yeah. But it's green. It's beautiful. I'll give them that. That is gorgeous. Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful country. Again, getting that sun to come out, it is beautiful, but hey, at least you enjoyed it. Did you eat any good food? We got to talk about food right there on the wharf, some crab. I didn't get to the wharf, but I did have some great seafood at, uh, at my hotel. It was a chiopino, right, which is kind of like a stew, a seafoody Italian-y stew, and it had halibut and clams and crab, and it was fantastic. Yeah, making me hungry. Yep, mm. yeah, that's what we do. That's good eating. It is good eating. It is good eating. So this weekend, I'm off to a wedding in San Diego, so I'll have horrible wedding stories of uh, bad pickup artists and wedding crashers and just wedding can, blunders. But you can continue on the story of good weather. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, San Diego. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to get out of town just for fun. Looking forward to that. Good stuff. Yep. So um, what's going on with you? Do you have anything special or important to say? You can always say no, and we can just continue. <laughs> No, I just think you're going to be in San Diego, I'm going to be in Chicago, so I don't think that's fair, but I wasn't going to say anything. But since you brought it up, I'm saying it. Well, you got to your uh, workshop for the publisher in Chicago? I do, yep. It's going to be in Chicago. They've changed spots down downtown, so it's always interesting to be bad downtown Chicago. And I don't know, the weather's always windy and cold, so it gets interesting. Plus, I have to bring my nickels to pay the toll every 10 feet so anyway if you've been to chicago you know what i'm talking about or you gotta park a rental car in downtown chicago right you better yeah. sell some stock yeah well 
That's true. Luckily, luckily I'll be reimbursed, and luckily it's not as bad as New York City, but it still can get priced. Yeah, it's gnarly. It's gnarly. Well, have good luck to Kurt in Chicago. Everybody, call, email, call Kurt, whatever. Wish him good luck. So we got a <laughs> we got a show to uh, to do today. In the meantime, right? So let's do it. Yeah, and, and this is probably not working in my favor, and maybe not in some of yours. But Kurt, for the geeky article moment, has an article about how our vocal tone can influence the perception of our intellect, how, how smart people think we are. Cue the Urkel. Urkel, go! <laughs> what do we got? Well, of course, you probably read it in the Journal of Psychological Science. This was done at the University of Chicago, where I'm going. Near there, anyway. And this article is interesting because it's about voice versus written communication. And so the study found that the verbal communication or the voice, whether it be audio or video, was always more powerful than the written word when the person was trying to sell themselves. So if you want to sell yourself, maybe we need to start thinking about a, a verbal business card, a verbal resume has a lot more power than a lot of other things. And so what they found is whether they listened to it or watched it again, they rated the candidate or they could listen to it or watch it. And so what they found, when they are able to hear the voice, didn't matter with audio or video, they rated the candidates as more competent, thoughtful, and intelligent. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, the words were exactly the same, from the written part to the actual audio, and it really helped to hear the person's voice. So they grabbed a bunch of MBA students, and they recorded these videotapes versus the written part of it, and every time when they could hear the voice, whether it be audio or video, it made a huge, huge difference. So it also ranked them as more intelligent. So basically, when conveying intelligence, it's more important for one's voice to be heard. Now, there could be some drawbacks there, depending on your voice, if you sound like Elmer Fudd or Mickey Mouse or Urkel or any of those <laughs> that might be a drawback for you. But the evaluators found when they heard the voice, they were more likely to hire that person so voice does a lot. When people can hear your voice, it makes a huge difference. Remember, let me remind you, when they heard the voice, you were rated as more competent, thoughtful, and intelligent. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. We knew bits and pieces of that, but a lot of new science coming out as far as really understanding the voice and how it affects people. That's tough because in this day and age, we're just depending so much on email and, and text message. I, I love text messaging because you can accomplish quick things over text without all the the pretense of oh how are you <laughs> when you just don't really care right <laughs> <laughs> you just you need a quick answer to a question and you don't want to go through all that socializing so sometimes i think people get stuck in that rut where they're going hey look i communicate with everybody through writing through email and through text but if you've got to persuade somebody then, yeah, you've got to do exactly what Kurt's talking about here. They need to hear your voice. Otherwise, you're just going to be judged a lot less favorably than uh, anybody else who might be vying for this person's business. And it's more captivating. In fact, something that happened to me, I was vying for this consulting job, and they narrowed it down to three people, and the last thing they wanted is a written outline of, the training and what was going to happen step by step by step. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a trainer. So I put together a PowerPoint video with my voice, audio, 
of the steps I was going to take. And that was the thing that put me above the pack. And they told me later that was the thing that really got them looking at me and got me hired for that consulting job. Yeah, the voice, it matters. I mean, we've talked about that on the show before. I don't know who did the study about how an X percentage of how you're perceived is your word choice, another percentage is your vocal tone, and then the rest is body language, right? That would be Albert Morebian, if you need to know. Oh, way to go. Q Urkel <laughs> again, you dork. <laughs> all right, go Urkel. <laughs> you don't have to act all remorseful. That's actually impressive. <laughs> okay. I wonder if in that uh, geeky article, if they controlled for body language, because I guess, it, you know, if they watched videos of these people, then of course the body language would be part of what was perceived as well. So it'd be interesting to know. I had the same question. I had the feeling it was probably more of just their face and, and not so much the gestures because I had the same question. You start adding the visual aspect, different things really start to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they did it just from the neck up, that would help a lot. You've got those facial expressions and things. Hey, you know, University of Chicago, they know what they're doing. So there you go. All right, good, good. Well, Let's blaze ahead here. Last week, we talked about one of the Persuasion IQ tests, uh, questions. So you can access that if you go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com and scroll to the bottom. We've actually made some upgrades to the website recently. You know, we're just super lightning quick at those things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Everybody, all of our listeners are just dazzled by our web prowess. (laughs) (laughs) So go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com and be dazzled even more. So there's a link to the Persuasion IQ test there. You can take it if you want to, and we think you should. It'll score you, let you know where you stand. And last week we talked about what creates the most urgency. And to review, Kurt, it was what? That was restricting freedom. Remember, it was all the above, but one pulled a little bit better than the other. So hopefully our listeners really implemented it this week. Yep, restricting freedom is the most effective We don't want you to take that completely literal because people that drive around with zip ties in their trunk are just creepy, (laughs) all right? But uh, psychologically, the freedom has to be restricted there. And today, we have a new question to go over on the Persuasion IQ test. Kurt, what is the question? All right, going along with the voice today, I chose a question that a lot of people surprisingly get wrong. So here it is. When we talk about persuasion, we're going to talk about speaking rate. So here's the question. Your speaking rate to be more persuasive should be A, average, B, slower than normal, C, faster than normal, D, match their pace, E, none of the above. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So a lot of people say slower so they understand everything. Some people say faster, but you don't want to be the proverbial fast talker. Some think you need to mirror and match them or match their pace. Surprisingly, the answer is C, faster than normal. There you go. Yep, every time faster is more persuasive than slower. Let's talk about that because that's probably what everybody's thinking is the proverbial fast talker. How do we not cross that line? Well, let's talk about the science here. So usually the average person will talk about 120 to 150 words per minute. Our brain cruises at 400 to 800 words per minute. And you've been to a presentation before where you're just thinking, you know, squirrel or other things. You're just bouncing all over the place. And then you come back and then you bounce around and you come back. So you're giving your prospect a lot of times to think about other things. So when you speed up, and what I'm talking about is overall average. You're still speeding up and slowing down. You're not being the proverbial one-rate fast talker. But your overall average has picked up. 
So it gives them less time to think about other things. It increases your energy, increases your charisma. It is a huge piece of what you do. In fact, when I train speakers, the first thing I do is speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up, because it makes a huge difference. You don't want to sound like you're going fast, but if you can increase your rate by 20, 30, 40, 50 words per minute and not sound like you're going really fast, study after study shows that is more persuasive and you're rated as more charismatic. So we just have to stay below that radar of we actually are going faster than we normally do, but it's, uh, I don't know if you remember the micro machine guy, right? <laughs> you know, just talk really, really fast or mm-hmm. those stereotypical guys. You got to pick it up a little bit. And that's true. I get really bored with some people that, that speak at just an average rate, right? I, I go to sleep. And that's the challenge is people think they need to go slow. But I know UCLA did a study with radio commercials. They speed them up. They came across as more credible and competent. Merebian and Williams did a study that those who spoke faster, louder, more fluently, they were more persuasive. So, I mean, there's example after example of doing this. And it, it's harder than it sounds for a lot of people, but they are more persuasive. And it really decreases what's called that counter-arguing in their mind and they stick to it. They listen better. Yeah. So I think we know the answer to this one. It's advantageous to slow down the speech at times, right? To drive the point home. How do you differentiate there? Well, it's called the pregnant pause, and nobody can tell me why it's called that. But when you're speaking and you pause, just like I did there, it kind of brings people in wondering what's going on. So you still need the pauses and you're increasing speed and you're slowing down at certain parts. But again, that overall rate, you increase that, it increases your ability to persuade. Okay, so you want to drive that point home and bring everybody in. I would imagine, too, along with the pregnant pause, that uh, the tone goes down, the volume goes down with it. Oh, yeah, that whole vocal variety with the tone and the the pauses and the rate is all part of it. It should be like listening to this movie. It's becoming part of you and you're absorbed. So again, you're speeding up and you're slowing down. You're appearing thoughtful. And it's important that you slow down your pace when you have something particularly important or serious to say and when you wish to show great respect. Mm -hmm. Increase your pace when you want to create that excitement and energy, which is the opposite of, say, those pharmaceutical commercials where they're They purposely are the fast talker because they don't want you to really hear it or understand (laughs) it. That is the opposite of what we want. So you want people to grasp everything you're saying. Use that vocal variety, those tools. But again, your overall average rate, you speed that up, you are more persuasive. Period. End of story. Yeah, that's really interesting because they they do that on those pharmaceutical commercials where, you know, this drug may cause death, right? And they they (laughs) rattle it all off. (laughs) <laughs> the sleeping pill may cause diarrhea. You don't wait a minute. You don't really put two and two together. That might be a bad I thing because they're doing the whole opposite thing to where they want you to completely forget that. In fact, now the interesting ones are now doing it before the commercial, so it doesn't even sound like it's part of the commercial. Oh, yeah. I heard one the other day that the drug might cause – are you ready for this? This should be a blunder. It might cause suicidal thoughts or actions. <laughs> so it might cause death. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. I'll take two, please. I, I mean, I just thought it was funny how they put it. Suicidal thoughts is one thing, but actions is like, you might try to kill yourself. Yeah. Please put all guns and knives away. <laughs> I know. There is a little bit of a trend on that now because, yeah, it's so – we all know what they're doing on a conscious level. Logically, we get it. They're packing all that stuff on the end because legally the FDA or whoever it is is making them say it. 
But they know if they rattle it off, they can check that box and say, okay, we said it, and it won't have the emotional effect. But I've noticed some of these commercials now, they're just they're really just owning it. Right? Those you have those uh okay, and I'm gonna give everybody the wrong impression here. I don't pay that much attention to the Cialis commercials. Mm, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but they just at the end they say, you know, it might do this, and they, they just act like they're having this informal conversation with you now. I, I wonder they must have some data that that's more effective. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and I think that's part of the credibility trust thing to say, look. It might do this, but the benefits are much better. So as long as the benefits are 10 times more what it might do, people appreciate that. There's more credibility and trust. I think that's one of the reasons they're doing it, especially for a lot of the popular ones out there. They've noticed they need that trust and credibility. Yeah, yeah. They probably have some data that show that, look, everybody understands and accepts that drugs have side effects. And trying to rush through them really rapidly just makes it look shadier than it is. So just get out there and own it. That might be what's happening there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. What else do we want to add when it comes to our rate of speaking and persuasion? Well, a lot of people tend to ask here, well, what's it have to do with mirror matching? We've talked about that with connecting and people. Because if you go into a meeting Monday morning, they haven't had their coffee, you're like, oh, it's a really great day to see you, you know, and you're just... There's going to be a disconnect. So I always encourage people, especially one-on-one, you know, match their rate a little bit, but slowly bring yours up, bring yours up, bring yours up, which will bring the energy up in the room, which will get more excitement and emotion. So there are times to mirror and match them, but as you get going, make sure you keep increasing that rate, that speed to the point where you have them engaged and they're not stuck in counter-arguing. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Anything else you want to add to that before we get to our blunder? Now, part of that, too is understanding vocal fillers. And we've hit this one home many, many times, that vocal fillers, which we all have a few, but if you're way out there, it decreases your credibility, it decreases your speed, it really hurts your ability to persuade. So I would add two things. Increase your rate, number one, but also get rid of those vocal fillers. And it's much harder than it sounds. I know in my personal speaking career, I've conquered them, they're gone, then next year they're back. And you got to deal with that. And we keep talking about that, but it's so important because you don't know you're doing it. It's hurting your credibility and it's hurting your ability to persuade. It's such a subconscious thing, isn't it? Those vocal fillers. Somebody who can talk at a reasonably fast rate without being greasy about their product and doesn't have the vocal fillers comes across as so knowledgeable and so charismatic. And the subconscious mind totally picks up on that subconscious mind loves that because it's easy to listen to. There's not all those barriers or vocal fillers. And for those who don't know what a vocal filler is, um, er, uh, you know, like any word you keep repeating. And our brain does that between segments, especially if you're nervous, you don't know the presentation very well, or you're being intimidated. Those things really increase. And I don't think I've ever met someone who can guess how many vocal fillers you're going to have because it's always 10 times more than they think. It really is. It's subconscious for the person listening, and it's subconscious for the person saying them. They just fly out of your mouth. They do. And it's getting easier said than done. But record yourself. Be professional. Look at your rate. Increase your speed. Practice during situations where it's not that important to where you're trained to talk to a stranger or talk to a family member. Work on the speed, work on the speed, work on the speed. It takes time. In fact, when I was getting trained by Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn to be a speaker, that was first like speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up. And that was just the first thing we had to work on before we could do anything else. The practice thing is so key. Like you say, I had this appointment last week 
where within the first five minutes, I knew this was a dead end, right? This, this prospect was not qualified. I could not do business with him no matter how much I wanted to that day. And the old Steve probably would have just said, hey, gracefully pack this thing up and get on your way. But I knew, you know what? This is a great time to practice. Do your presentation, do it by the book like you're supposed to, because we all get off of that, and then practice. Get good at this thing. And, you know, it's a, we never know what's going to happen from that guy. He might give me a referral, but worst case scenario, I got some good practice. And I, I was able to eliminate vocal fillers. They creep in always, like you say, but I, this is something I do periodically. I'll make a three-by-five card or a piece of paper, and I'll write down, um, er, you know, and those kinds of vocal fillers, and I'll put it in front of my computer and I'll put it on the dashboard of my car because I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go to an appointment and I'm going to see that or I'm going to be on the phone talking to a prospect. And just seeing those in front of you, at first it's going to make your presentation kind of herky-jerky because you're going to be talking and you're going to do one of those vocal fillers or you're going to start to do it and you're going to stop yourself. That is going to make you realize really quickly how many of them there really are. Well, that's a great point. Another thing that works well there, too, is shock therapy. <laughs> 100 volts every time you use a vocal filler. But I it's another great point, too, that if they're listening to you, hey, try this close or try connecting or try this thing or say this question or go down this road, if they're listening and not going anywhere, well, how often do you get someone just sitting there that you could try anything you want? Well, I guess not anything, but persuasive techniques that could really help you hone these tools. Yeah, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. You just don't know what your prospect is going to do or how qualified they'll, they will be down the road. So there's there's that line between you'll present to anybody, right? Because there's some prospects out there that will listen to anybody and they're never going to do anything. But you got to draw that line, get some good practice in, but uh, make sure you're talking to qualified people. There you have it. I, I said, uh, just talking about this now makes me realize how <laughs> much I do self-conscious. Right? You do think about what's really happening there on the subconscious level. How shady are vocal fillers, right? You ask somebody a question, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just the subconscious mind saying, I really don't know what to do. And you can still not know. But if you throw out the vocal fillers, it's so much different than this very competent silence that you can give people, you know? And that long pause or the long vocal filler is number one thing we look for in detecting deception. So you got to be careful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, good. I think that's going to do it for rate of speaking for today. Why don't we queue up the Homer? All right, Homer, give it to us. Don't, don't, don't. This week's blunder is one of my competitors in my business. I buy really crappy looking houses and I repair them and I resell them. And I frequently get into situations where I am bidding on a house and I know there's competition. There's other guys that are going to be there and are already there and have made offers. So what happens is I send out all this direct mail and people call me. Probably 30 or 40% of them call me to tell me to, hey, stop sending me letters, right? Which <laughs> you, you, could get, you could get discouraged on that until you realize that that's good. It means they opened up the letter, <laughs> If the phone never rings, you've really got a big problem. So this woman called me, and she was very, very cautious, right? She started, how do you get your, your people you send letters to? She in, starts interrogating me, which is not the way you want the phone call to go. You want to be the one asking the questions. So we had a couple of minutes where I was wrestling control of the conversation away from her as tactfully as I could. And eventually she decided that she was going to talk to me and be open and honest with me. 
and say, you know, I'm not going to sell you my house. I don't have any desire to do it. I just want you to take me off my list and okay, fine. And I've just learned to just talk to these people anyway, because you don't know what's going to come from it. Right. Well, as it so happens, there was a guy who sent her a letter and she called and said, take me off the list. And he sent her another letter. She called and said, take me off the list. He came and he knocked on the door and left her a note. She caught him a couple of weeks later walking around the house, looking in the backyard, and he left another business card on her door. Now, have we got to creepy stalker status yet? Yeah. I mean, talk about overbearing. Now, she clearly doesn't want to talk to the guy. When your prospects don't want to talk to you, stop talking to them. So he's either just totally brazen or he's got terrible systems and he isn't scrubbing his marketing list very well. So she got so tired of this and she got to talking to some of the neighbors and they all told her, yeah, that guy's been stalking me too. So they all got together and they had a party. They got their laptops and they found him. They found where he lived and what his address was and they subscribed him to every insurance mailing list, every real estate mailing list, every just terrible mailing list that you can imagine and basically, you know, put it out there to the universe. How do you like it, pal? <laughs> so that guy, whatever his name is, you are terrible and you deserve all that junk mail that's coming your way. I mean, <laughs> give back off. Wow. Blunder to you, creepy stalking real estate boy with no filter and doesn't understand a true no when it comes and time for a new email address because I'm sure he is stuck with lots of emails. And it's not just his email address, Kurt. They tracked down his physical address. Right? Oh, geez. Yeah, they found out where the guy lives. That's how bad they hated him. I mean, listeners, have you ever had a prospect hate you that bad that they try to find your home address? <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> That's when you know you've crossed the line. Yeah, if if you didn't know before, now you know. <laughs> yeah, so if that happens to you, you've crossed the line somewhere, and you're going to be getting lots of mail for a long time. Should should we make that one of the new questions for the Persuasion IQ? How do you know you've crossed the line? Hey, <laughs> That's right. Your, prospect... your spam goes up 500%. Yes, your... yes. Snail mail goes up 600%. <laughs> and your voicemail goes up 270%. I've, I've been in insurance before, and these people were just straight diabolical because that's probably the worst thing that you could have done to the guy. All right, No, no offense to the insurance guys, but... Those leads, the way it works, you've got these websites out there and somebody puts their info in and says, I'm looking for insurance, and they sell that off to 10 different insurance agents. Or more. Or more, who just start <laughs> pounding that person. So that's just cold-blooded, but the guy had it coming. I, I can't blame him. Yeah, that's true with a lot of industries. Once you hit submit, you will get seven, eight calls within five minutes can't tell you when they're going to stop. It's going to be a while because they yeah. resell it over and over again. Yeah, it's hard to unring that bell. So I was I was very careful to be her friend after that. And I she was telling me stories and we were talking about personal life stuff. And I thought, okay, good. We're talking about this. I don't think that she's going to hunt me down. <laughs> I mean, it was just one letter. And at the end, I said, jokingly, I said, okay, well, I'm going to take you off my list and if for some reason that doesn't work, I should expect a bunch of junk mail, right? And she laughed. No, no, you're okay. But wow, <laughs> it, it was worth spending the time because that is a vindictive prospect. That is. And they're out there. They're out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> this day and age, you know, anybody can find anybody. It's just not that hard to do. That's it. They'll track you down. Track you down. So 
there we go. That's episode 78 in the books, closing towards episode 80 here. We hope you're liking the show. If you have feedback or ideas or questions that you want answered, send them to us. We, we try to answer them. We don't do a very good job, but sometimes we answer you personally, actually. We, just because you send us a question doesn't mean we'll air it out on the show. We'll probably just answer you personally if it's a really specific question. But if it's show-worthy, we'll put it up. Maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Subscribe and listen to the podcast through the iTunes store, or uh, you can catch us on Stitcher Radio. The website is MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Listen to the episodes there, download them, read the blog summaries. We link to all of Kurt's super geeky articles on the website as well. So if you're not up on your journal of sewer professional psychological <laughs> studies or whatever, uh, that, that's where you can brush up on that. So You bet. There you go, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care, refer a friend, and we'll see you next week.